Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, 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 and welcome to the Animal Files. We are in gift giving season. We're closing out November. Christmas is just around the corner and people are now out shopping. And there are many out there that think that giving an animal as a gift is a good thing. So what we're going to do today is we are going to give you the benefits of doing that, the challenges of doing that, and all of the things that you need to think about before making that decision. And I'll probably get on a soapbox or two, but (laughs) we want to give you the information first (laughs) (laughs) and let you use your own discernment and make your own choices. So let's start with just the basic benefits that go along with giving animals as a gift or what the animals gift to us. So let's start with that. What are some of those benefits, Miranda? Yeah, there's a lot of different ways that animals can give something to us. So Giving the animal as a gift is not necessarily a benefit in itself, but it's what comes with the animal, what they have the ability to bring to us. Okay. And the first thing that they can gift us with is they can help with our mobility, our physical health, and our mental emotional health. This can be done in a a few different ways. You know, if you have mobility issues, you have trouble walking, or you maybe have weakness, or, you know, maybe there could be some other kind of condition that might cause an issue perhaps with an occasional fall or something like that. Our animals can help us with that because especially dogs in particular, because we have to take them out for walks Mm -hmm. and whether it's a short walk or a long walk, that action, that activity of taking them out is going to help with strengthening the body to some extent, even if it's a slow walk. They can also kind of like a service animal, except not trained to that extent. They can also assist if we do end up falling, you know, they can maybe go and get help from someone notify somebody that help is needed, Mm -hmm. but they also give that support as well. You know, they'll stay with you. And if you happen to say, hit your head or become unconscious or you fainted or something like that, they will stay with us and they will try to do what they can to help us. Yeah. I just pictured a a dog licking somebody's face if they go unconscious or whatever, trying to get them back. Right. Yeah. And it's the same kind of idea with physical health. You know, they have this ability to be able to sense when something's not right. And that's the other thing as well, is that they can learn how to warn us and we can learn how to recognize when they are warning us that something is about to happen so that we can get ourselves into a safe place. That could be if you have something like epilepsy or diabetes or something like that, they can assist with that kind of thing. 
And of course, they're also very strong supporters of our mental and emotional health. If you're somebody who suffers from depression and it's to the extent where you don't want to get out of bed, having an animal to take care of gives you a reason to get out of bed. It creates a sense of routine. And so therefore it can really help to ease those feelings of depression. It may not get rid of them completely. But it kind of gives you a purpose. Right. You know, this animal is relying on you. So that means I love this animal. So I'm going to get up and I'm going to go out and take them for a walk despite what I feel. So it's almost like it gives it purpose. Right. And I think it's sort of along the same lines with anxiety. But I think with anxiety, it's more about bringing you into the present because you're like, oh, I have to take my dog for a walk. Oh, I have to feed my cat or whatever it is, change the litter box or something like that. It's like, it gives you focus on what needs to be done right now. So you're not focusing on the future and worrying about the future as much. And that energy that they bring is very soothing to us as humans. Mm -hmm. There's just something about an animal that just brings us back down, Mm -hmm. calms us and soothes us. And we've talked about it before as well, that animals also have the tendency to absorb our energy and our emotions as well. Oh, yes. Which is not always a great thing for them if they do that too much, because that can No, because they they like, yeah, they choose to do that as a way to help us. And they end up absorbing all of this stuff out of their unconditional love for us. And it ends up hurting them, but they don't know any better. They're just trying to help us. Mm -hmm. Something to remember. Yeah. So going along with that as well is that they help to ease our feelings of stress, whether we're dealing with any mental or emotional challenges, just our general stress, they can help with that and reduce that quite a bit. They help provide meaning and joy in our lives. And they can also help to boost our vitality just in general. I would agree with that. (laughs) (laughs) My animals really make it all worthwhile. Mm -hmm. It really does. Because you have another living thing to be responsible for and to take care of, it just makes life more fulfilling, more vibrant. doesn't matter what you're dealing with. I've had moments of like extreme depression and the animals always make me feel better. Mm -hmm. Always never fails. I have a bad day. I just go and cuddle with my cat. It just takes it all away. Mm -hmm. So it can definitely boost vitality in so many ways, (laughs) so (laughs) many ways. And the last point under that sort of theme is that when we interact with our animals, they can also help to stimulate our mental cognition and activity as well as the animals. You know, We don't get a lot of mental stimulation and physical activity and mental activity if we spend a lot of our time in front of the TV or other things that are kind of like that. So having an animal kind of gets us out of that routine to at least for a short period of time to interact with them and do different things with them. It's like a dopamine hit. Mm. It really helps with the chemicals in our brain. You know, just the interaction with an animal creates that that nice little dopamine hit, the feel-good chemical that we need in our body. And 
if I'm not mistaken, I think there was a research project that they noticed that same chemical hit is the same in dogs' brains when they see us. They get that. Mm. It's like they call it the love hormone. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. And the dog will actually get a hit of that. I don't know if it's oxytocin or dopamine. I believe it was oxytocin. Yeah. Oxytocin. They get a hit of that when they see our face. Right. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the same reaction a human has when they see their baby, their newborn baby for the first time. Exactly. Or even, I guess, while it's developing in the womb, they get that as well. But it's amazing. It's just something to keep in mind that the interaction is good for both of us. Mm -hmm. The mental cognition, the activity levels, we tend to be more active. We act to have more brain activity when we have these animals in our life. And the same goes for them. Mm -hmm. Another area they can help us with is that they can help create a feeling of security and safety, Mm. especially if you're somebody who lives out in the country or you're living by yourself, having an animal around you can potentially make you feel safer. Like you've got somebody there to guard you, to help you protect you, whatever you want to call it. Absolutely. Again, along with the physical and mental challenges a person might have, it can also create that feeling of security and safety, knowing that that animal is there trying its best to look out for you. Definitely makes you feel good when you know that the animal is concerned with your well-being. Mm-hmm. They also help to encourage positive lifestyle changes. Like we just said before, they can help to encourage or increase our physical activity. It gets you up off the couch more often. It gets you outside more often. It can maybe increase our social interaction. You know, often people who walk dogs, they encounter other people who want to talk to them because of the dog. Oh, yeah. (laughs) totally you can't go out you cannot go out of your house with a dog and not have somebody want to oh look how cute (laughs) yeah (laughs) and it's not just dogs I was in Walmart okay not sponsored but I was in Walmart I was shopping with my mom and I'm walking through the, the the clothing department and I pass by this little kid probably about 12 13 years old and he had a guinea pig he was holding a guinea pig. So I guess he brought the guinea pig with him to the store. And my immediate mood just changed like that, uh, like a real quick. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so cute. <laughs> I mean, you it doesn't matter what you have. The second you leave the house with an animal, you're going to have that social interaction or you're going to have some type of social interaction, whether it, even if you don't talk to them, it's just, I don't know. It's like that, that oxytocin hit. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it changes everything. I mean, literally like that in a oh, yeah. snap. Yeah. It's so cool. <laughs> but I felt, I swear I felt better the rest of the night. <laughs> I just, I didn't even talk to the kid. I'm like, oh, that's so cute. And I just kept walking. <laughs> changed my mood for the day. <laughs> Like we said, in regards to something like depression, but just in general as well, they, they help to create structure and routine in our, in our lives. Mm-hmm. You know, some people can feel really unfulfilled or like they're floundering in that because they are, I don't know, lacking guidance or lacking whatever that they just don't know what to do with themselves or, you know, how to 
organize their day or whatever the case may be. So when we have to take our dogs out at a certain time, or we have to feed them at a certain time, or we know that we need to spend some time with playing or enrichment activities or something like that, that we need to schedule in there somewhere or fit in there somewhere. This gives us some structure and routine and can also increase fulfillment. And that can also bleed into the other areas of our life and get that to be a little bit more structured and organized and more fulfilling. Absolutely. I know for me, if I don't have structure, things are kind of chaotic. But the second I add structure, even if it's the simple thing of like, okay, the cat needs to get fed at three o'clock in the afternoon, it just automatically just shifts things. Just having that little bit of structure is really important. Mm -hmm. And it it gets you out of bed, Mm -hmm. gives you purpose. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure that there are other positive lifestyle changes that they can encourage as well, but that's just a couple of them. They also will help children in a variety of ways. Now we'll get into this in a little bit, but giving an animal to a child can be a challenge. There's a lot of things you need to think about, Mm -hmm. but there are definitely benefits that our animals can bring to our children. So they can help improve their self-esteem because animals are very accepting, non-judgmental, non-critical beings. And they accept us exactly as we are. Oh, yeah. Even when we're not always our best self. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a really important thing for kids to feel. You have explained your experience with your cat, Miss Piggy, Mm -hmm. how she did that for you. She didn't judge you. She was there for you and she loved you. And she just really was a grounding force in your childhood life. Yeah. And she just listened without question, I could say whatever it is that I wanted to say. Yeah. You know, kind of along the lines of the other benefits that we've already talked about, they give a sense of responsibility. You have another being to take care of. So you learn how to give to others and do other tasks that are not necessarily solely beneficial to you because you are taking care of this other being. Empathy. Learning empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. The fastest way to learning those skills is to have something that you are responsible for and for you to experience life with another living thing. For kids, having a dog, having a cat, having a small pocket pet, even a fish can give the child the opportunity to grow and learn empathy and compassion. Mm-hmm. Even though they're born with it naturally, it just it helps them nurture it. Right. And it encourages a stronger connection with others because again, you're focused on someone else and not just on yourself. Absolutely. And it also encourages gentleness and respect because if you're not gentle, if a child is not gentle with an animal, some of them are extremely tolerant, but there is that chance that they're going to get bitten or scratched or attacked in some way because they're not respecting or being gentle enough with the animal. Yeah. One of the big things that giving an animal as a gift, this is kind of an overall benefit rather than an individual benefit. And that is that it can help to reduce the population of the animals in the shelters if the animal is given as a gift in the right way. I think we should stress given in the right way. Mm -hmm. You never want to give an animal to somebody 
without giving them a heads up or letting somebody know it's going to happen. You don't just surprise somebody with an animal Mm -hmm. unless you know without a shadow of a doubt that that animal is going to be loved and taken care of properly. Mm -hmm. It's my little soapbox because there's so many, so many animals that are given to kids, to partners, boyfriends, girlfriends that are supposedly a surprise, but that surprise is too much. And the animal ends up back in the shelter. Mm-hmm. Never just give an animal as a gift willy nilly. Never do that. Be very planned out, very methodical and very intentional about the whole mm-hmm. thing because it is about the animal. It's not about the person you're giving the animal to. It's about the animal. What's best for them? If you have no idea if the person you're giving an animal is going to be a good pet parent, then maybe you might want to buy them something else. You know, I say buy, but I'm talking adoption or breed or whatever. We'll get into that in a little bit. But yeah, just choose something else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Going along that too, I want to forewarn that all of these benefits that we're talking about, if the person you are giving the animal to is not an animal person, they're not going to get any of these benefits. No, 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 no. And that animal is going to suffer needlessly. Because you thought, oh, well, they're not an animal person, but if they have an animal, they'll be better. No, Mm. no, 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 (laughs) no. Never think that you can change another person. (laughs) There are just people who aren't animal people. Animals take a great deal of responsibility. And there are a lot of people on this planet that choose to put their responsibility elsewhere. So take everything, everything into account. That's my soapbox. So let's delve into the challenges a little bit more. So we'll go into what you were just talking about. Oh gosh, yes, challenges. (laughs) (laughs) And before we start this, I just want to mention that we are actually having challenges here in the recording room. So if you hear any, yeah, we're having some technical (laughs) challenges. So hopefully we're getting our points across and you can hear us fine. But just wanted to let you know that we are having a little bit of technicality in the studio. On both sides, <laughs> because I'm here in New York and she's in Canada. And uh, yeah, technology is not our friend right now. So that is our challenge. So let's go into the challenges that come up with giving animals as gifts. Mm. So one of the first challenges that you need to think about is the person that you want to give the animal to, they may not have the money to properly care for the animal. Oh, that's a big one. Animals can be expensive. Yes. It doesn't matter how much they love animals. If they can't afford to take them to the vet and they can only afford to feed them the cheapest food possible, they're not helping the animal. They're going to end up with an animal who is sick and unhealthy. And that's going to cost more money. Mm -hmm. So that animal is going to end up sick and unhealthy and in a shelter. Or if not in a shelter, they might have a much shortened life. Yes. We don't want that. The next one is that the person you are giving the animal to may not have the time or the energy or the inclination to care for the animal. Mm, Yep. You know, because all animals, regardless of what kind of animal it is, needs a certain amount of exercise. They need enrichment activities. There's going to be cleaning that goes along with the animals, whether it's cleaning the animals themselves or cleaning the area that they're in. Some of them require grooming among other things that might need to be taken care of. Yes. And if you get puppy or kitten or a young animal, they need a heck of a lot more attention from somebody who is only two years into having 
two kittens. Well, now we have one, but I didn't sleep for like six months. I slept like four, four hours a night because they needed <laughs> my care. They needed a lot of attention. They needed a lot of supervision. And some people just don't have it in them to do that. I personally work from home. I can adjust my schedule. A lot of people cannot. So make sure you take that into consideration that whoever you are buying the animal for or whoever you want to gift the animal to may not have the time or the energy. And as you said, Miranda, inclination, Mm -hmm. because if you don't have the bandwidth, that animal is going to suffer again. Mm -hmm. Remember, getting an animal should not just be about trying to ease a person's loneliness or neediness or anything along those lines. It needs to be a two-way street. Yes. And you never buy an animal to fill a hole in your life. It's not fair to the animal. And you end up creating this codependent relationship. And that is unhealthy for both the human and the animal. And what about the type of animal that you are planning to give to the person you're thinking about? Mm -hmm. If you haven't talked to them, how do you know if they want a dog or if they want a cat or if they want a guinea pig or whatever it might be? If you give them a dog and they really wanted a cat, what's the likelihood that they're going to keep that animal? Or what's the likelihood that they're going to take that care of that animal properly? Good point. So you need to think about the species. You need to also think about the age of the animal because maybe they don't want a kitten or a puppy because they're too much energy. Maybe they want an older animal or vice versa. Or maybe they have their heart set on a specific breed. Or you're giving a breed that they're not set up to take care of. Right. Certain breeds have different needs. Right. Some are highly, highly energetic or require very in-depth grooming requirements. Another challenge with giving an animal is that it can potentially send the message that an animal is a disposable plaything. You know, you think about all these gifts and that that we get at Christmas or birthdays or something like that. If we don't really like it or it's not quite what we wanted, we can go and exchange it or we can go give it back. You can't do that with an animal. You shouldn't be doing that with an animal. (laughs) You shouldn't be doing that. Unfortunately, you can do that the way things are right now, but you shouldn't be. (laughs) No, it's not about the person you're giving it to. It's about the animal. What's better for them? Mm -hmm. Because the person receiving it might be excited at first, you know, and it can seem very like a novelty and be like, oh, he's so cute. I, oh, I thank you. Oh, I'm so thankful and all this kind of stuff. But then the reality sits in on the care that they need, the responsibility that's involved. Well, maybe they might not seem so cute anymore after that. The excitement leaves. And when the excitement leaves, the animal suffers. And it creates a challenge in being able to develop a bond with that animal, Mm -hmm. especially if it's an animal that's not of their choosing. All good points. This is not a decision that should be taken lightly. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned earlier, it has to be a conscious decision, has to be intentional. You have to take everything into account, including the animal, as well as what's best for both parties. If you don't don't have yeses checked in every box, then choose a different gift. Mm -hmm. And perhaps the animal is not age appropriate because there are some animals that are a lot more complicated and higher maintenance to take care of than others. Mm -hmm. And we talked about this way back when on 
some of the different types of animals and what age group they're best for. But, you know, if you want to give an animal to a young child or maybe an elderly person, are they going to really be able to take care of that animal? Now, especially young children, because I think there's a lot of parents out there who think, oh, either I'm going to give in to my child's request to get an animal, or they think that they're going to give the animal to the child to try to teach them responsibility. Well, children being children, you can only expect so much from them. You have to be aware that you're going to be the one who is mainly taking care of the animal and the child is just going to help as they're able to. And an elderly person may not have the ability to, to take care of certain animals. You know, you imagine getting like a Great Dane or like a, one of those big muscular Rottweilers or something like that. And you've got this <laughs> 90 pound elderly person trying to walk. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the visual is extreme, but it's extreme for a reason trying to prove a point. Yeah. You know, there are some people who don't have the ability to do things like bend down and clean the litter box or make sure the dog goes out for a walk twice a day. You know, if you get them a medium to a large dog, those dogs are pretty strong. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot mm -hmm. of little kids and a lot of senior people that don't have the balance and the strength to handle the musculature of an animal, even a senior animal. Yeah. I just read a story about that exact situation. It was an older lady who was trying to walk this dog who was much stronger and bigger than she was. And her grandchildren had thought it was a good idea to get her this dog because they thought she was lonely. And she ended up injuring her, her arm or the muscles in her arm or something like that a couple of times because the dog had pulled her so hard. Yeah. You got to be careful. Just make sure, <laughs> mm -hmm. just make sure that it is age appropriate. Mm -hmm. And also with elderly people, the, another thing you need to consider is the lifespans, because if you get a 75 year old person, an animal that's going to live 15, 20 years or more, that animal may end up outliving that person. And then they have to try to make arrangements or hopefully would make arrangements to find another good home for, for this animal. Good point. We don't remember that. Animals have lifespans too. Yeah. We always think that we are going to outlive them because their lifespan in general is shorter than a human's most of the time. But just because it's shorter, it's like, depends on where we are in life. They could outlive us and we could also have something happen to us. We could end up dying for some other reason or ending up in long-term care or something like that. So that's off topic, but that's just another thing to consider. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can just briefly say I had a bird pass away back in 2016. It was 26 years old. It was a cockatiel. You don't think cockatiels are going to live that long, but I'm over 50. I would love to have another bird but I'm afraid to get one, even if it's a rescue and I'm trying to give it a good life because there's a good chance it's going to outlive me. If I get a smaller mm -hmm. cockatiel, I'll be taking care of a cockatiel when I'm 75. Do I want to do that? Some of these birds have really long lifespans. Oh, parrots, forget about it. If I got a parrot now- Yeah, they can live like 75 years. <laughs> yeah, if I got a parrot now, even a rescue parrot, 
I'm going to have to definitely put something in my will and find someone who will take over care when I'm done because they can live 75 to 100 years. Mm -hmm. They have a lifespan of a human. Just something to keep in mind. (laughs) Animals have lifespans too, and sometimes they're longer than ours. (laughs) And the person that you are thinking of giving the animal to are they able to provide the emotional commitment or attention that is needed? That kind of ties in with what we were sort of talking about mm-hmm. earlier with the time and the energy. You know, let's say if they're trying to train the animal or if the animal has some kind of behavioral challenges and there can be all kinds of reasons for that, but we won't go into that. Are they going to overreact? Are they going to be able to handle those challenges? Or is the animal going to end up suffering the repercussions because of their inability to to handle those? Yeah. Are they going to beat their animal if their animal pees on the floor? Because it's too much stress for them. Right. An animal is going to pee on the floor. So there are some people out there that can definitely overreact to something like that. Mm -hmm. And having an animal might mean you might have to give up some of the activities that you might like to do. You know, if you're a very social person and you like to go out for coffee or you like to go out and do these different things on a regular basis, you know, if the animal is going to be getting left alone a lot because of that, is the person going to be willing to give up some of these other activities in order to give the time and attention to the animal that's as it's needed? Yeah, a big one is travel. That too. That's the one thing that that always runs through my mind because I don't think I'll ever be without an animal. Knowing that, that means that when I have an animal, my travel is limited. Mm-hmm. I'm having that issue right now because now we have one cat and I feel it's not good for her well-being to be left alone while we go on vacation. So we're in the process of trying to get her comfortable with coming with us. And hopefully that helps. But yeah, we've had to really pull back on the amount of time we leave ever since we've gotten the kittens. Of course, the pandemic didn't help, but. Yeah, animals require a lot of time, energy, commitment, organization, all of these different things. So, you know, there's a lot that needs to be taken into consideration before anybody gets an animal. Absolutely. The other thing is, is do you know if the person you want to give the animal to has any health issues or allergies that you might not be aware of? They may not be aware of. If they've never really had an animal, Mm -hmm. but yet they want one, but they've never spent a lot of time with them. And then you decide, oh, I'm going to surprise them and get them an animal. Then all of a sudden they're highly allergic to that animal. What's going to happen to that animal? Mm -hmm. Let's go a little bit deeper into the different choices that you need to make when making this decision. As we said before, it is critical to talk to the person or the family that you want to gift an animal to beforehand. Because if you just give it without any other consideration, you just simply think that they want the animal or that they should have an animal. Because sometimes that can be what we get into our heads too. It's like, oh, I think this person is lonely. I'm going to give them a cat or a dog, or I think this person needs some exercise. So I'm going to get them a dog or whatever the line of thinking might be. It's important that they want an animal beforehand and that they understand the care requirements. Have they shown a previous interest in caring for an animal? Have they said anything to you? Have they talked to you about what type of animal they might like if they could have one? You know, maybe they have said things like, oh, you know, if I could have a cat, I would do this. Or if I had a dog, I would do this. Or I would 
whatever the case may be. But another thing you need to consider is do they already have any animals? That's an important one. Because the other animals may not be so accepting of a new animal, even if the person might want another one. And if you end up having domination issues or different kinds of conflicts with the other animals that exist, guess what? There's a high chance that animal is going to be surrendered to a shelter or given away to somebody else, but ultimately it's probably not going to be staying there. Yeah, it'll be blamed for the problems when it's not the animal's fault. The animal did nothing wrong. You just brought it into an environment that's not supportive for that animal. And so that new animal is the one that gets the blame because there's already a connection to the other animals. Even if the other animals being the bully, the new animal gets the blame. And since there's not a connection made with that animal yet, that's the one that gets abandoned or given back to a shelter. Mm -hmm. And you have to consider that the animals that are already there, they've kind of established their hierarchy and their order and, and that type of thing. They've kind of figured out a way to live with each other. Yeah. And suddenly now they've got this new animal being brought in and it just throws everything out of whack. And they may not be willing to figure out a new order of things. That's a really good point. And we talked about the species or the breed that they might prefer. This is another thing to talk to them about or think about have they mentioned anything that they like a particular species of animal or a particular breed of animal and talk to them about the care requirements because even if they have mentioned that they are interested in animal, have they really thought about the care that's involved? Are they willing and are they capable of providing the care that this animal is going to need? Are they a cat person or a dog person? Even if a cat person likes the idea of having a dog, if they have no experience with a dog and you bring them a dog, then there's a learning curve there. Mm -hmm. Dogs and cats are completely different. Same goes with a dog person. If you give a dog person a cat, not only is there adjustment for the animal, but there's also an adjustment for the human because- Again, mm -hmm. cat care is different from dog care. Yeah. And some are higher energy, some are lower energy. And a person might be a highly active person, or they could be a very low energy person that maybe they like to spend a lot of their time reading or doing quiet activities like that. The animal needs to match their lifestyle. If you don't have a good lifestyle match, then you're going to end up with conflict. Yep. And what about the type of home that they live in? If they're living in a small one-bedroom apartment or a small home that doesn't have a lot of room for movement, then getting a dog that is very active and needs a lot of room to move is going to create issues. There's a high chance that a lot of things are going to get broken and damaged. Yes. And if you have a house that's like Grand Central Station, where there's people in and out, in and out, maybe something like a cat may not be a good idea. Because cats don't like a lot of activity. And if you have a house that's highly active with lots of people in and out, that cat's going to run away more than likely. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, there are some cats that are more like dogs than they are like your typical cat. So those type of cats may be okay in that kind of situation. But that's where you also have to, you know, it's really a good idea for the person who is going to be getting this animal to get a feel for the personality of the animal in the first place. Yeah. And not to mention when, 
I don't know if this is the same with dogs, but I know with cats, if a cat has decided that somewhere else is its quote unquote home and you bring it to a new home, unless they get comfortable in that new home, they're going to go back to their old home. So you, if you have a busy house, that cat may run out of that house because it's not their quote unquote home and go back to their other quote unquote home. Mm -hmm. So you may end up having a runaway because the cat hasn't adjusted itself to its new home and it's unfamiliar and chaotic and they're not comfortable in it. I always tell people when you're, especially when you're moving, again, I don't know if this is a dog thing, but if you're moving and you have cats, you need to make sure, especially if the cat was like a roaming cat to begin with, you need to keep that animal indoors for at least a month for it to get used to it being its new home before you allow it to go outside because they have an internal GPS and they will walk back to their, what they consider their home. And that's not safe, especially if you're moving to an area that's got a lot of wildlife or a lot of vehicles, a lot of cars. Just want to throw that in there because I've heard a lot of stories of people who move to places or get a new animal and they end up losing that animal because the animal runs away and I'm assuming trying to go back to its old quote unquote home. Yeah. I think dogs are probably susceptible to that too, if they don't have a strong bond or attachment to their caregivers. Mm, yeah. Okay. So if you're giving an, an animal as a, a dog as a gift, keep that in mind as well. Mm -hmm. And we already mentioned this as well of finding out whether the person might have any health issues that could affect the type of animal they should get. You know, they might be allergic to dander or the fur or the saliva, and they might be better with a different type of pet that doesn't have that. Maybe they'd be better with a fish or something. It's, but you'd need to talk to them about that and find out what they can or cannot have as a result of health issues and whether or not they are interested in these other alternatives. And again, you want to talk to them about the cost, the time, the energy, and the emotional commitment of caring for the animal. These are really, really important. An animal can do fairly well on love, but they can't really thrive on just love. No, they can't. And folks, I hope that you are realizing that if you are thinking about gifting someone an animal this holiday season, that it takes a lot of thought. And there's a lot of things to consider. My soapboxes don't ever give an animal to someone as a gift. That's my opinion. What we hope you are getting from this is that this is not a decision that is taken lightly. There are a lot of cogs in this wheel and they all need to be considered. Mm -hmm. We pretty much over the history of the show, we've talked about how expensive having an animal is, mm -hmm. how much commitment an animal is mm -hmm. and the responsibilities, the energy, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So that being said, what are some of the other things that maybe they need to really put front of mind when they're trying to make this decision? Assuming they haven't made this decision yet. Right. <laughs> what are some of the other things? <laughs> I know we're, we're covering an awful lot here, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of things that you need to avoid. Mm -hmm. So let's go a little bit deeper. Well, I do want to add to that. You want to consider, like we talked about the size of the home or if the home is appropriate, but 
if the person you're giving the animal to has a really nice decorative, fancy style kind of home, and they've never had an animal, that could be an issue because it's often difficult to have an animal and be able to keep everything pristine in your home. Yeah. Not difficult. It's impossible. (laughs) (laughs) It is impossible. (laughs) Something's going to get broken somewhere. (laughs) Or stained. Or stained. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) So if that kind of thing is something they're really concerned about, they probably shouldn't have an animal. No. (laughs) Or maybe they should just have something like a fish where it's contained in a small area of the home (laughs) yeah because even like caged animals like guinea pigs they can be messy yeah they may not break things or you can just get a stuffed animal (laughs) they don't do anything wrong (laughs) (laughs) of course there's many areas that you can get an animal from personally my opinion is that i do not recommend gifting an animal from a breeder whether they're backyard or professional, a pet store, or some other business where you have to buy the animal. There's enough animals out there needing homes that we don't need to buy animals and contribute more to the population. Yeah. And I think even smaller animals, you could probably find rescues for them too, like guinea pigs or whatever. Oh yeah. There's a lot that end up going to the animal control center. Unfortunately, a lot of these small animals are very much considered disposable. Makes me sad. Yeah. So you can often find those kind of creatures and hopefully you'd find them before somebody ends up deciding that they have to be euthanized because they've overextended their stay. Yeah. But there's always the option of choosing to give an animal from a shelter, from a rescue, or even potentially helping someone to rehome an animal that they can no longer keep. And there's the benefit of getting it from a shelter or a rescue is that these animals have already been checked for health and behavioral issues. They've already received vaccines and usually they've already been spayed or neutered. Saves you a lot of money right there. Yeah. And not to mention they need a home. Yes. They're in more need of a home than you are of an animal. I mean, hopefully the responsible breeders, the responsible rescues, the responsible ones will not allow someone to purchase an animal or adopt an animal as a gift. I know rescues, they do background checks. They need to make sure that the animal is going to a safe place. Mm -hmm. So there's a good chance that that might be a hiccup that you might run into. Mm -hmm. And that hiccup is there for a reason. So if you find you get that hiccup, then maybe you need to reassess what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. And there are ways that you can avoid that. We'll get to that. <laughs> you know, use that as your guidepost that if you you want to be responsible in your gift giving, that if you get that hiccup, that makes you reassess your intention. So now we're going to talk about what is the best way, assuming you've decided that you've thought about all of these other things and you still want to go ahead with giving an animal as a gift. What is the best way to do this? You know, we've often seen these Christmas shows movies and stuff like that that show an animal being gift wrapped in a box and you know they poke their little head out and and people get all excited and that don't do that (laughs) don't do that (laughs) (laughs) 
as adorable as that scene is, it is not a good way. <laughs> no. Tell us how we can get around that and do it the right way. <laughs> because there are ways to do it the right way. Oh, yeah. There's a few different ways you can do this. One option is that you could just wrap up a leash or a toy or some other, you know, maybe a dish or something like that, that would be going along with the animal. And that's what the person would open. Of course, they should already be assuming that they're getting this gift because you've already talked to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so then they, they get this and you guys go together to pick up the animal. That allows them to make their own choice on the animal that they're getting. It also opens it up to them changing their mind and saying, no, you know, I don't think it's a good time for me to have an animal right now. Mm -hmm. Another option is that you could buy a gift certificate from one of the local shelters. So there's always an adoption fee. And I don't know if all shelters would operate this way, but I think if you talk to them and tell them what your intention is and that you've already talked to this person about it, so it's not a complete surprise. And then this person would have the option of choosing to use this gift certificate towards the adoption fees of the animal, or they could choose to simply donate it back to the shelter if they decide not to get the animal. Mm -hmm. So your money still goes towards a good cause either way. And the benefit of that is that it allows the person to be able to choose when they go and pick up their new pet when they go and spend the time to sit with these different animals and try to find out what's going to be the best fit for them or change their mind if they choose to change their mind. Yeah, because all animals have personalities and not every personality is going to go with yours. Mm -hmm. You know, so I mean, they could wait for six months down the road or a year down the road before they decide that it's the right fit for them. Yeah, and it will also give the recipient of the gift time to doggy proof or cat proof their home mm -hmm. the one thing that a lot of people forget is when they bring a new animal into their home that are not safe for the animal mm -hmm. i won't even move into a house until my house is completely cat proofed there's no holes that they can get into there's no place where they can go under a counter and get because they're going to get scared and they're going to go find a hiding spot and if you haven't pet proofed your home, you may never find that hiding spot <laughs> or there's going to be a hole in the wall that allows the animal to run away. There's so many things that need to be taken into consideration for the home that the animal is going to be living in. So having a gift certificate or something like that, that gives the recipient time to prepare mm -hmm. is always going to be your best option. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's so many things that animals can get into that from a human perspective, we don't really necessarily think about. We need to try to get to their level and think about, okay, if I was a dog or if I was a cat, what would interest me? What would I want to go and explore and get into? <laughs> I mean, just like you would baby-proof a house, make sure all the chemicals and all the toxic substances are out of the reach of the baby. You want to do that for your animal too. So a person who is going to be having an animal living with them needs to go around their house and take care of those things that they really want to be a responsible animal guardian. Mm -hmm. 
I think this whole gift certificate thing is probably the absolute best way for someone to go about gifting an animal to someone they care about Mm -hmm. because it covers all the bases. Mm -hmm. And actually another thing that you could consider talking to the person about if they've never had an animal before and really don't have any comprehension about the care that's involved, the time commitment and all of that, you could suggest to them talking to one of these shelters, rescues about potentially fostering an animal that they're interested in. You know, if they're particularly interested in cats or particularly interested in dogs or something like that, they could foster the animal for a short period of time to get an idea if having an animal is right for them in the first place, Mm -hmm. you know, and then based on that, you can decide whether or not to gift them with their own animal. Or if they're going to foster and they fall in love with that, they can actually adopt the one they're fostering. Right. Yes. Sometimes you can't do that Mm -hmm. if the animal's, you know, seen by another person or whatever, but yeah, it just gives you another way to go about doing it. Mm -hmm. And there's plenty of animals that need foster families. Mm -hmm. There is a shortage of foster families in this country and in the world, Mm -hmm. really, or North America, at least. I don't know if they do fosters in other countries, but yeah, I'm not sure. But of course, with any animals, there's a lot of supplies that are going to be needed when you're first starting out with them. I mean, they need to be replenished as you go along. But when you're first starting out, you have to get the dishes, you got to get the litter box, you got to get the food, you got to get the leashes and harnesses and all of these different things, toys. There's a lot of things to get for these animals. And that could be overwhelming for somebody that you're gifting the animal to. So Even like if you get a gift certificate with an adoption fee, which is not really that expensive, usually by itself, you could buy some of these supplies for the person and give that together along with the gift certificate. So then that way they don't have to worry about all of that stuff right away. Yeah, because that can get expensive. Oh, yeah. Timing is a really important thing to consider as well, because let's say it is the Christmas season. And you decide you're going to give the animal right during the Christmas season. Is the person a social person and likes to have social gatherings and a lot of people over? This is not a good time to give an animal because they're already going to be stressed and challenged with dealing with a new environment, new people, new routine, new everything. And then if they have to deal with a bunch of other people and noise and activity all on top of that, that is going to create issues and you're very likely to end up with behavioral challenges with that animal. Yep. Busy houses are not good places for brand new animals. No. So it's better to wait until after the holidays in that respect, because this will give the animal more time to adapt and get used to the new situation that they're in. Yeah. And a lot of people go on vacation. So you don't want to gift somebody an animal and have them all of a sudden take off for vacation, Mm -hmm. their usual yearly vacation. Yeah. An animal can't adapt very well if it's being left alone. No. Or suddenly being put in a kennel or something like that. Yeah. Timing is really important. And what about if the person is thinking about moving? Yeah. Just like I said before, Mm -hmm. the moving, that's really, again, they have inner GPSs. Let's say they've been in a rescue for six months. They've already connected that as their home. And then all of a sudden you bring them in and they're moving. They haven't yet connected 
you to their home. Mm-hmm. I won't say any more about that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a soapbox, a big time soapbox about that. You have to make sure that if you are going to be moving, you take the animal into consideration and expect the worst. Right. Not only is there the stress of the actual moving itself, because there's constant changes going on when there's a move happening, but they're not getting a chance to adapt to the home that you're in. And then you're going to just kind of, what's the word when you sort of take the food and put them in a new environment? Upheaval. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Upheaval is a good word. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, their whole life is tossed in the air and turned chaotic. They don't know what's up and what's down. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've moved a few times, you know how stressful that is on the human. Oh, yeah. Now add the stress of the human onto the stress of being a new animal in that new in that human's life and the added stress for the animal to be tossed around, not knowing what's home and what's not. Yeah. Upheaval is a good word. Yeah. So basically the whole point of all of that is wait (laughs) until things are stable before you give an animal. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) We've mentioned several times about how animals like routine, stability, and structure. Mm -hmm. And if you can't provide that, then the timing is not right. Mm -hmm. And there's alternatives. Yes. If you're in that position. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe you have decided that giving a live animal is not the best option. If that is the case, then maybe you could suggest to the person that you would like to donate money on their behalf to one of the animal organizations. Mm -hmm. Or if they really like the idea of being able to pet an animal, they like sort of that image or that feeling or something, the idea of being able to cuddle with something furry. There are robotic animals out there. I've seen sort of like, I think it's sort of shaped like a pillow that's furry and spite. It's got this motor in it that imitates like a cat purring. I've seen those. Yeah. (laughs) You know, that could be really soothing just by itself. And they don't really require any care except for maybe changing the battery. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Then you can also get like the legit robots that actually will do tricks and stuff like that. Yeah. They might not be as cuddly, but (laughs) no, they're not, (laughs) but they're interactive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you can get them with AI intelligence or you can just have a remote control. You just like, if you don't want to deal with them, you turn them off and they sit them in a corner. I I would say donate to an animal organization, (laughs) (laughs) but you know, having a pillow that purrs, that might actually be pretty soothing. (laughs) I could imagine myself sleeping with something like that, having my arm around it while I'm going to sleep. It's like, (laughs) it won't replace the real thing, but at least it will have some type of benefit to the person. Yeah. These alternatives may sound silly, but you know what? If you really want to do something like that, I mean, you can make it into something. I don't, I don't know. Be creative, but an animal is not the time to a living animal. It's not the time to experiment, to see if to experiment. Yes. It's just not. I really hope that our show today gives you a lot of things to think about. If you were trying to make the decision of gifting an animal, a living animal to somebody you care about, I hope that this show gave you 
questions to ask. Mm. Living things should not be given as gifts. I mentioned it before in the first half. I'll mention it again. If you're going to gift an animal, you need to be very conscious. You need to be very intentional. You need to be very thoughtful about how it's going to affect the animal as well as how it's going to affect the recipient. Is it a good thing? Is it the right time? Can they afford it? Do they have the time available to devote to the care of an animal? If you can answer yes to those things, then maybe as long as you talk to them and you do it together and pick it out together and let them choose the animal that's going to live with them, then have at it. But make sure every single thing is taken into consideration, both the human and the animal. If you can give something else, that would be my <laughs> my opinion. Give something else. I don't think animals should ever be a gift. That's my opinion. A conversation, then maybe a mutual decision. Okay, not a gift. Before we close up the show, do you have any other things that you want to say? If you still feel uncertain or you've got questions or you're just not sure about how to make this choice for somebody that you might be thinking about, email us at the animal files podcast at gmail.com or join our Facebook group, the animal files community. And we would love to help you out and help you work out any of the questions, challenges you might be facing. Yeah. We'll help walk you through it. You know, I'm good at keeping my opinions to myself <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> but <laughs> Maybe. No, I will. I mean, it's all about the animal. And as long as the animal is going into a good home, we'll help you if you need help. And I promise no judgment here, because if you are thinking of the animal, you're our kind of people mm -hmm. and we'll do what we can to help you. These are the things that we need everyone to think about. Use your discernment, use your brain, use your heart, make these decisions with consciousness attached and you'll be good. And I guess that's it for today. Yes. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.